you are listening to Law and Gospel on this January the 12th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and the hymn we're going to be looking at is The Only Son from Heaven. And that is a song, The Only Son from Heaven. It's part of the second Sunday after the Epiphany. It was written by a woman. She was born in 1500, Elizabeth Krusiger. Born in 1500, died in 1535. And she was converted to the Wittenberg Lutheran understanding in the early 1520s met a student, Gaspar Krusiger, and she married in 1524, and guess who preached the wedding sermon? Martin Luther did. Krusiger became rector of the school alongside Nicholas von Amsdorf. He was the pastoral leader of the Reformation in that city. Their daughter, Elizabeth, married Johannes, Luther's eldest son. And her hymn stands as a significant early milestone in the development of Lutheran hymnody. Now, 
The translator was Arthur Russell. He was born in 1806 in England, son of a congregational minister, and ordained as a priest in 1830 in the Church of England. And his publication consists of a number of hymns. And in our hymnal, there's translations not only of the only Son from heaven, but also Arise, O Christian people, and one hymn we really love, Now Sing, We Now Rejoice. So that's the only Son from heaven, and we're going to be examining then the theology of that. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with us on the phone is Pastor Mark Smith. How did you like our holiday, Pastor Smith? Oh, the uh, the break we had it was it was great, but I tell you, I, I missed I missed the program. That's for sure. I missed being on the program last couple of weeks. How about you? Was it for two weeks or one week? I think it was two weeks. Two Tuesdays. No. Well, we're back on now. Hymn four hundred two. Is this a hymn that you're familiar with? No, I'm afraid not. I, I, I w- appreciated all the background, but I'll tell you that. Uh, that version of it, it's it's too bad. I, I don't think it was the best version to present it, but uh, maybe it was the only one you could find. What was wrong with the version? <laughs> well, it was the right tune. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, I don't know. It was, it was difficult for me to appreciate it. Let's, let's just say that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the fault lies with me. Probably does. Stanza one. <laughs> what? Stanza one. Stanza one, right. The only Son from heaven foretold by ancient seers, by God the Father given, in human form appears. No sphere his light confining, no star so brightly shining as he, our morning star. So every verse uh, attends to present the morning star in a new way. And the first stanza, the author takes the singer from prophecy to incarnation, to Christ's manifestation. And that's why this is a good hymn for epiphany. Because what does the word epiphany mean? It means uh, an unveiling or manifestation. Right. In other words, Jesus, when people would have passed by with him being born in a stable they wouldn't jump to the conclusion, this is God himself. And so during the season of Epiphany, there are a lot of incidents that Jesus has in his life that shows his mission. Last week, I don't know what your church preached because Epiphany was on Wednesday, but the readings for the Sunday were the baptism of Jesus. Right. That's that's uh, often the first, well, there's the, the appearance of the wise men from the East. That's, uh, that's really the start of Epiphany, when uh, uh, the Epiphany was real to, revealed to them by that, by that star. And then uh, baptism, where you had uh, God the Father, His voice out of the heavens, and then God the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus as a dove, and He was 
he, he was made manifest in that baptism by John in the Jordan River. So what then, is meant by the morning star? Morning star, there, that, uh, we're told about that in uh, Revelation 2, Revelation chapter 2, and also uh, where chapter 22 of Revelation, Jesus himself says, I am the morning star. Yes. And when people think of morning star, what are they thinking of? Well, they think of a they think of a a, a star or uh, isn't one of the planets the morning star? Uh, let's see, which Venus? one is that? Venus. I, I was going to say Venus myself. C yes, could be. Yeah, that's uh, often seen in, in the morning, uh, unless it's cloudy. It's been really cloudy around here. So, Jesus is the only Son from heaven foretold by ancient seers who would be referring to the wise men who made a mistake of going to Jerusalem thinking that Jesus was going to be born there. So, by God the Father given in human form appears. In, in other words, from a mortal point of view, Jesus doesn't look any different than any other human being. But from a spiritual point of view, he really is God, and that has to be manifested, and that's done during the season of Epiphany as right. to what his real work is. All right, I'll read stanza two. O time of God appointed, O bright and holy morn, he comes, the king anointed, the Christ, the virgin born. Grim death to vanquish for us, to open heaven before us, and bring us life again. So what we have here is a continuation of a bright and holy morning. And he comes the king. How is he king? Well, he's, he's king. Uh, this verse talks about him, grim death to vanquish for us. He, he vanquished death by, uh, and, and the way that was manifest to us was when he raised, uh, raised uh, Lazarus from the dead, or when he raised a little girl, uh, Talitha Kumi, the little girl I say to you, arise. There his, uh, his triumph over death was uh, manifested. And later, of course, on Easter, his own, his own death was vanquished. Right. When the word king is used, it often refers, though, to Jesus as the fulfillment of the new King David. Right. That's Good what point. I was getting at. Uh -huh. So that he is the one, because the word king is one word, but the word anointed, he comes the king anointed, that's the, in the Hebrew, Messiah, and in the Greek, it's Christ. Right. In fact, she even says that. He comes the king, anointed the Christ, the virgin born. And his purpose is to vanquish death for us. Now, we Christians still die. So what does it mean that death is vanquished for us? Well, it's it's talking particularly about eternal death, 
and uh, we are we're no longer separated from God. He has just he has broken down the wall of sin that has separated us from from God. And uh, not only that, but uh, on the last day we will be raised from our graves. Yes, I'm finding interesting when Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. He speaks in a way that he says, those who believe in me will never die. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, I take, I take that to mean that you, you, when, when, our eyes, when our eyelids are closed in death here on this earth, we go right to be with him uh, in, in heaven. We, we see our Lord spirit. Jesus right away. Our spirit goes right to be with him in heaven, right? Our spirit lives on even though the body goes back to the ground. Well said. In fact, that's what the whole conversation was with the thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. This very day, you'll be with me in paradise. And that is that the spirit of Jesus went to heaven, and so also did the spirit of the repentant thief. Right. All right. Stanza three. O Lord, our hearts awaken to know and love you more, in faith to stand unshaken, in spirit to adore, that we through this world moving, each glimpse of heaven proving, may reap its fullness there. Yes, this is actually her original stanzas, are a prayer for holiness in this world. Let us increase in your love and knowledge that we may remain in the faith, serving you in spirit, that we may taste here your sweetness in our hearts and continually thirst after you. So what she's moving to is sanctification because that's the point of what is being said here about our hearts are to be awakened and to know and serve and love you more. How do we serve Jesus since he's invisible today? Well, you know, Tom, before I get to that one, can I make mention of each glimpse of heaven proving may reap its fullness there? Uh, I would say the glimpse of heaven that we get is in the word and sacrament. Wouldn't you say the means of grace? The, the 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 Lord's Supper in particular is is a foretaste of the feast to come. Yes, that's the glimpse that's... of heaven proving, and and uh, will reap its fullness uh, there in the in the resurrection. Would you fact, agree? T- today's gospel reading for Sunday is God coming to Samuel, calling his name, and he thinks that the Priest Eli is the one calling him. And finally, Eli realizes it's God calling him. And what does he say? Next time he calls him, say, your Lord listens. Speak, Uh, Lord, for your servant heareth. Yes. Exactly. And that really is what you were talking about in divine worship. Because that's where we hear the Lord speak to us. Yeah, it's like a glimpse of heaven yes. that we get that we get here and now on this earth. 
Yeah, in fact, um, I'm doing a catechism class, and what I've been pointing out in the Lord's Prayer is how the Lord's Prayer is so close to the commandments. For example, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. How does the Lord's Prayer begin? Our, our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Yes. And then the second commandment is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And what's the next part of the prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, that's following the second commandment. Then the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And Luther's explanation of that has nothing to do with rest on Saturday. But we should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but gladly hear and learn it. Right. And what's the next part of the Lord's Prayer then? Let's see. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And that's what happens in worship, that God brings individuals into his kingdom. Very, very important point. And that's where we call it divine worship. Each time I have another pastor with me in doing the worship service, I always indicate that uh, we're not leading the worship service, but Jesus is. We're simply his voice, and in baptism, his hands, and in the Lord's Supper, distributing what he has given to us, namely his body and blood. And in that sense, therefore, worship, as you were saying, is where we meet God and God meets us. Okay, stanza four. Stanza four. Oh, Father, here before you with God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus, we adore you, O pride of angel host. Before you mortals lowly cry, holy, 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 O blessed Trinity. That's, of course, a doxological verse, and it speaks of all three persons of the Trinity. Yes, and there's a triangle in front of it, which means that people should stand. Right. One of the churches I preach at uses the old hymnal. And so every time we get to a doxological hymn, nobody stands because there's well, no to, triangle. You have to motion the people, have to give the people a motion to stand up. Well, the problem is they're not looking at you. They're reading the hymnal. <laughs> I see, yeah. So you can do yeah, all the motion. In fact, I've been in situations where <laughs> maybe a third of the congregation stands and the rest yeah. aren't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really on? think I think that's a nice feature of of this new hymnal, uh, the Lutheran Service Book, is that it it it, it notes uh, to stand with a triangle before the uh, before the the verse. I think it's very helpful. Yes. Uh, now, in the translation by Arthur Russell, he did not include stanzas four and five in his translation. And therefore, when the hymn was reintroduced to American Lutherans, the third stanza is found in both WS and LSB, but with an added focus on the life to come that is absent from Krusiker's original. 
as given above in a literal rendering. So, although it's unfortunate that the two stanzas are missing here, its editors did provide us with an exceptional doxological stanza, even managing to include the magnificent threefold cry, and that is from Isaiah chapter 6. And so this fourth verse that we're looking at is really not written by Elizabeth Krusiger, but was written by the editors. Now, this is also the hymn of the day for Epiphany 2. It's coming Sunday. Yes. And it's going to be interesting. I know what I'm preaching on already. And this hymn will be used. We'll be singing it uh, during the uh, service, of course. What are you preaching on, Tom? Well, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Because I got half the congregation listening. Oh, I see. (laughs) Yes, to today. And, you know, my technique is I ask a question that they get the wrong answer to. Yes. And so (laughs) it kind of has to do a little bit with I'm preaching from 1 Samuel. Oh, uh uh-huh. And when God comes to Samuel, it says that... No, I, I'm not going to say it because you'll probably give an answer and I don't want to hear it right now. But at any rate, it's a, a problem verse. J.S. Bach used this tune in two of his cantatas, 96 and 164. And that was in his Orgel Buchlein and for a setting in his miscellaneous preludes. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of the chorales of Bach were on the basis of hymns. And you can often hear them, but uh, it's, it's not really well known. And this hymn here, people probably would not recognize. I can't remember the last time we sang it, but we're going to be singing it uh, this Sunday. You know, for a while now, what with the virus... We were not singing, and I know you mentioned that you would not have appreciated that, but uh, we've now got some new guidelines where the people wear masks while they're singing, and we just tell them to sing it in a lower voice so that no vapors go around to the other people. So your congregations over in Illinois are singing now? Yes, Oh, I'll bet they are enjoying getting back to singing after not singing yeah, for so long. We're not doing the liturgies yet uh-huh. in singing, uh, especially during the Lord's Supper because people are coming forward and they're not really in line. They're not six feet apart. Plus, they have to take their masks off to take the Lord's Supper. Right. Yeah. Do you wear a mask? Oh, Yes. Yeah, we all wear masks in church, right? Yeah. But we do sing. We've been singing all along. Yes. Yeah, we have an excellent pianist. Uh, In fact, he did a um, concert at the university we also serve. And so he's very, very good. And uh, he plays 
also in other situations that we can hear. So, the only son from heaven, uh, translated by Arthur Russell, but Elizabeth Krusiger, during the 1800s, there were some Lutherans who wondered whether she really had penned that. And some people think that the criticism was because she was a woman. But Luther made it very clear that he needed more hymnody. And therefore, when she wrote this, Luther congratulated her and he put it in one of his first hymnals. How about that? So that's really interesting. Yes. Now, in tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going back to Open Mic Friday, but you may have a difficulty in phoning me because we're not in the studio. So if you have any questions, all you need to do is write me the email, lawgospel at lawandgospel101.com. I'm Tom Baker, and we've had Mark Smith with us, and perhaps you'll be singing this hymn since it's centered on the second Sunday of Epiphany. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.